Hello and welcome back to Equity, the Tech Runch podcast, where we unpack the numbers and the nuance behind the headlines. This is Alex. It is Monday, May 23rd, 2022. And today we are not going to talk about Elon Musk and Twitter. Yes. As we do every Monday morning, let's take a quick look around the world of money. Over in Asia, stocks are mixed. Japanese shares are up. Chinese stocks are kind of more up and down. Over in Europe, stocks are mostly up today, a nice change. And here in America, stocks are set to rip higher at the open, but I'm not going to promise that will actually happen given just how up and down things have been lately. What's going on in crypto? Well, flat or up a point or two this morning. Honestly, markets are looking chill and green this AM, which is kind of a weird feeling after the past couple of weeks. Yeah, it's been really busy and really chaotic. And frankly, we could use a quiet week. So I don't want to jinx it, but at least we're starting off on the right foot. But overall, a quiet stock market does not mean that things are not happening. They are. News recently broke that Broadcom is in late stage talks to buy VMware, a company that Dell spun out back in late 2021. You might remember that deal. Shares of VMware are up about 22% in pre-market trading, indicating that investors are betting that such a deal is both near and going to prove super lucrative. Bloomberg, The Wall Street Journal, and other publications are reporting that the transaction is happening and is kind of pretty far along. So given the sheer abundance of smoke, it's safe to presume that there is at least some fire. Now, investors in Broadcom are kind of on the other side of this coin, and shares of Broadcom are actually off about 5% in pre-market trading, indicating that their investors are less than enthused about the possible deal. Now, Broadcom, which builds and sells networking hardware, enterprise security stuff, optical gear, and software for a host of applications, Wanting to add VMware to its mix of products isn't that hard to understand. The company would then have a wider and deeper array of products to sell to large customers. And with the value of VMware off sharply from early 2022 highs, it's actually kind of cheap. Now, how cheap? Well, VMware's value peaked at nearly $168 per share and reached a peak of $136 per share this calendar year. And before the news of the deal broke, VMware was worth just $96 per share. So it was on sale. Now, what does VMware do? Well, it builds and sells software for multi-cloud environments, including support for apps and other enterprise stuff that TechCrunch's Ron Miller understands far better than I do myself. We're writing about all of that shortly, but what matters is that we are seeing depressed share prices amongst tech companies lead to more deal-making. The same could prove true for startups, I think, though, of course, the average deal size would be a lot smaller. Expect the Broadcom VMware transaction to absorb a lot of oxygen this week, unless the Elon Musk bid to buy and then quasi-retreat from purchasing Twitter either completes or explodes. So how go the recently public unicorns? Recall that Indian fintech multi-unicorn Paytm went public back in late 2021 for a price of 2,150 Indian rupees per share. This was one of the last major IPOs before the world changed. The company's stock fell to as little as 510 rupees per share this year, meaning that the company was either dramatically mispriced in its IPO or during its life as a private company. Still, shares of the company are up in the last couple of days to 618 rupees per share. So why the recent gains? Well, the company's earnings got an okay grade from investors. Now, I pulled the data for you in USD to avoid conversions, so here's how the company did in its most recent quarter. Revenue from operations, 205.5 million, up 89% from 109 million in the year ago quarter ending March 31st. Payment GMV, or gross merchandise volume, of $35 billion, up 104% from 17 billion in the year ago calendar first quarter. And the company also saw quick growth in both financial services revenues and lending. 
Perhaps even more importantly, Paytm also saw new lows in its payment processing costs as a percent of GMV and rapidly expanded its so-called contribution profit. All of that added up to, well, the company's loss for the period rising 72% to 101.7 million. So the company is growing nicely, but it's still pretty damn unprofitable. It actually even managed to lose money on an EBITDA basis, which I think goes to show how the markets have changed their views on growth versus losses. Sure, the company has recovered a little bit, but its losses are simply too much for investors to bear. A lesson for all late-stage startups out there as they pursue growth. The lesson is, don't lose too much money or all the credit you are banking from rapid revenue expansion could simply be expunged. All right, enough of that big tech business. Let's turn to startups and talk about some of the latest news. First up is an app called BUD, that's B-U-D, all caps, and our own Rita Liao recently covered the company, writing that it is a, quote, nascent app taking a shot at creating a metaverse for Gen Z to play and interact with each other, and it just raised another round of funding, its second in three months. Now, BUD just raised $36.8 million in a Series B round that was led by Sequoia Capital India, not that long after it raised a Series A extension back in February. Now, the company was founded by former Snap engineers. Why does that matter? Well, according to TechCrunch.com, Bud, quote, lets users create bulbous 3D characters, cutesy virtual assets, and richly colored experiences through drag and drop interfaces without any need to code. Okay. Users of Bud can also buy and sell virtual items, something that we expect the company to start taking a cut of in the future because revenue is nice, and it's always nice to see a new social app blow up. Naturally, however, given the kind of climate and day that we're in, Bud is going to throw some blockchain whatnot into its services so that traded items are NFTs, it appears. Also, Egyptian used car marketplace Cinder, that's S-Y-I-N-D-R, has raised a pre-seed round worth $12.6 million, which TechCrunch says is the largest of its kind in MENA history. A Saudi Arabian VC led that round, showing just how broad the geographic footprint of venture capital has become. And finally, 1K Karana, which TechCrunch describes as a, quote, Indian startup that operates an eponymous, hyperlocal shopping app and retail distribution network, just put $25 million more into its pockets. Now, what does 1K Karana do? Well, it has a shopping app and a retail distro network. That's kind of what it does. These sorts of services are popular in India and Brazil and a bunch of other markets, and they seem to be venture capital bait. Closing out today, a note on the promises of huge returns at minimal risk. There is a general market trade-off between risk and reward. You get less interest lending money to the U.S. government than, say, a brand new bakery that wants to sell invisible gluten-free donuts. And yet in the DeFi, Web3, or crypto worlds, you can find promised interest rates of 10% or more that are treated as mostly risk-free, which is pretty wild, right? One such company was Stable Games, took part in the recent Y Combinator batch, and grew quickly in the wake of taking part in the program. So far as I can tell, the company's business model was kind of brilliant. Take in customer funds in US dollars, put that money into the crypto market and generate a fat yield, skim some of that yield and give the rest back to customers. Voila. This is the crypto equivalent of a credit union paying out a lower rate to depositors than it charges creditors and using the gap to cover costs and generate profit. Now, the difference was that credit unions are known for their stability and low cost of capital, Whereas after raising several million dollars in April, stable gains is now 100% dead. So what happened? Well, after telling users they could gain 15% return on their deposited funds, it appears that stable gains simply parked all customer money into the Anchor protocol, which was part of the Terra ecosystem that paid folks who gave it money a huge return. So all things were good, right? Stable gains gets to collect effectively a cut for simply moving customer USD to the DeFi world and 
Everyone is happy. Nope, wrong. It all blew up. Terra imploded, collapsing its sister token Luna, killing the anchor protocol, and now Stable Gains is kaput and is under potential legal threat after torching more than $40 million in customer funds, according to a number of reports. The lesson here is that the greater the offered yield, the more risk you are taking on, even in the crypto world. Shockingly enough, there is still no free lunch, though we do wonder how Stable Gains managed to raise so much money for effectively building a USD storefront to a stablecoin that was itself not stable. Wild. And my friends, that is the end of our show. We are out of time, but if you want more equity, don't forget you can always follow us on Twitter where we tweet under the handle EquityPod. And if you want even more of my annoying voice and thoughts, well, you can follow me on Twitter too where I tweet under the handle Alex. We will talk to you soon. We are not live this week, so we will not be taping on Thursday. Instead, we'll see you Wednesday morning and Friday morning in the podcast app of your choice. Hugs, good luck, goodbye.